what's that stomping down Tokyo way? It's the Disenfranchised Podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Disenfranchised Podcast. We're that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me as always, the man for whom we named this theme month, Big in Japan, Brett Wright. Hey, Brett. Hello, Stephen. Um, Brett, how's it going tonight, buddy? Uh, it's going all right, man. Let me spoilers for you though. You would also be big in Japan. I, you know, I am, I am, I, I'm not tall, but I am wide. Uh, so I think that qualifies me. Neither of us, though, Brett, quite as big as our special guest for the evening. Um, you might remember him from our episode on the '90s Godzilla back in March of last year uh, when we talked about our our kaiju month, our monster madness month. And uh, he's back again to talk about uh, another iteration of the self-same character. Uh, it is a good friend of the show and uh, the host of the Rule of Thirds podcast, filmmaker, uh, Samuel Dumas. Sam, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, but why would you even bring up Rule of Thirds? It's been like five years since we've released a... Uh, uh, that's no. why I made a face. What do you... What? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to go listen to some really old podcasts about movies, you should check out Rule of Thirds. I guess this is a Sam and I <laughs> and, and, a, and a third person named Caleb Dunkerson screaming at each other about movies incessantly for hours at a time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Go go check that. It's still out there. You can still find those episodes. We'll, we'll probably link to one of those episodes in the show notes for this episode. You should. You should link them to the Seven Samurai episode because that's my favorite episode. I will probably link them to the uh, 21st Century Kaiju episode as that one has the most bearing on this episode. Uh We've done this before, haven't we? We right. This is not the first time, Sam, that you and I have discussed the movie in question this evening. Uh-oh. Brett, what what movie are we talking about tonight? We're talking about 2016's Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla from 2016, uh, directed by uh, Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi, and starring uh, Hiroki Hasegawa, uh, Yukati. Uh, I'm sorry, Yukata. Uh, Takenuchi, uh, Satomi Ishihara, uh, Kengo Kora, Ren Os- Osugi, um, Akira Emoto, Kimiko Yo, and uh, many, many others uh, whose names I will also horribly mispronounce and mangle. Um, what a cast. Brett, what a picture. Yeah, don't worry, this is the last week you'll have to hear him mangle some Japanese names. Correct, because this is the end of our Big in Japan month. Although, Brett, there are enough movies... Uh, enough other Japanese failed franchise starters that we did not get to this time that we could do another one of these sometime. We probably could. Maybe this becomes a regular summerly thing. Maybe. Who's who's to say not me? At least not yet. Um, and of course, Sam, you are here for two reasons. One, you are the closest thing that we have on this podcast to a Godzilla expert. Um, okay. You... <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you're, you're a big fan of the franchise, uh, an admitted big fan of the franchise. You have very strong opinions about the franchise. I'm actually, as you have about most things, wearing my Shin Godzilla shirt. Look at that, showing off those guns too. Well, I got the shirt on purpose because Shin Godzilla's arms are so tiny, and this is a sleeveless shirt. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> um. 
uh, for for the listener at home, uh, the shirt is a tank top, um, which is great. Um, and um, and also because Sam, as as mentioned before, this is a movie that you and I have talked about before on a little podcast that we used to host together called the Rule of Thirds Podcast, where. As mentioned before, yourself, myself, and a young man by the name of Caleb Dunkerson would get together every month and talk about three movies based around a recurring theme. This movie we discussed in conjunction with uh, Bong Joon-ho's The Host and Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim in an episode we called 21st Century Kaiju, uh, which I will try to link to in the show notes for this episode. I vaguely remember this. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was like, what, 2017 when we were 2018? Like, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. Since uh, since this this episode uh, came out. So uh, yeah. if you want to hear much younger, much dumber versions of Sam and myself talk about uh, this movie, uh, by all means, check out that episode. Uh, give give that a few more clicks. One thing that we always used to do on Rule of Thirds that I thought might be fun to resurrect since you're visiting us today, Sam, um, is at the beginning of every episode, I would ask, gentlemen, what are we drinking tonight? Uh, I am drinking Highland Park 12 Scotch. Ooh, very nice. And I'm drinking uh, out of a hexagonal-shaped Sexton single malt glass, which is an Irish whiskey and also very good. Okay, Sam, uh, whiskey, whiskey man, loves those European whiskeys. Uh, Brett, what about yourself? What are you sipping this evening? Uh, I have a very large glass uh, of rum and coke made with Appleton Estate 12 year. Ooh. Rock, yeah, there you go. And and uh, carrying on the the boozy theme, I am uh, drinking a glass of uh, Wild Turkey 101 representing the uh, the American interest in Gojira in this film. So, oh, wow. yeah, I'm uh, surprised. I have, strong opinions about, I have strong opinions about Wild Turkey. I uh, really you having strong opinions. Sure. One on one's not half bad. I don't know that I would buy regular wild turkey, but one on one's not half bad. I had their diamond once and it sucked, which is like a thousand dollars a bottle. I'm like, hmm. yeah. Well, there you go. That that's uh, that's some hot takes coming out of Sam's corner per yeah. usual. Uh, so now that we know what we're drinking tonight, um, Sam, you you briefly described your history with Godzilla a little bit on our aforementioned episode on um, Godzilla '97. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Shin Godzilla? For those who have not listened to the aforementioned episode of Rule of Thirds, Shin Godzilla, your thoughts? Uh, Shin Godzilla is actually my favorite Godzilla movie of all time. Okay. Out of all of them, out of every era. Not saying there's bad ones in other eras, but like this is just my favorite one. Okay. You're not necessarily saying it's the best one, it's just your favorite one. Right. And I, uh, from the internet, and I'm in uh, some Godzilla forums now, it seems like it's a lot of people's favorite a lot of people, like out of tradition, recognize the first, like the original, as their favorite, and then they quickly go to Shin Godzilla. But I think secretly, this is everyone's favorite. I would, I would put this at number two, uh, definitely behind the behind the OG for sure. Yeah, uh, Brett, what about yourself? Shin Godzilla. When did you first encounter it? Uh, remind us if you if you want about your kind of history with the Godzilla franchise. Uh, spill, man. Uh, not really a lot to spill. Um, this was my first time seeing it. It is really great. I'd probably put it at number two as well. Um, and other than that, yeah, I've just kind of been a general Godzilla fan, but not watched a whole lot of them. So I need to get on that. I mean, 
don't we all really except for probably sure. sam who's no probably I've, seen not, them all. I've not i've not seen anything out of the heisei era <laughs> or no 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 the millennium era oh okay yeah, i mean so, that that's not terribly surprising but yeah uh, no it's i did watch one when i was like in middle school and i have some rec- like vague recollection of it but i really need to go back and watch them because there's one uh, godzilla gmk it looks mm. awesome where he's actually the villain and Ghidorah's the good guy and i want to watch that one Oh, that sounds wild. He's also like a zombie ghost. So instead of being like uh, made from radiation, he's made from the dead souls of all the Japanese that died in World War II. And it's pretty badass looking. But I haven't seen I that mean, that, that also sounds really freaking sounds cool. Metal as hell. <laughs> it does. Uh, right? he's, like, he's like got white eyes. It's gnarly looking. You gotta watch it. Yeah, uh, I might have to throw that one on uh, my watch list, on my short list, because that sounds... Fucking great. Um, this is the second time I've seen this movie. Uh, the first time, of course, being when we covered it for Rule of Third. So maybe every time that I just record a podcast, I, I watch Shin Godzilla. Um, but I honestly, I should probably own this movie. It's it's really freaking good. Uh, just to show all of our hands here, we all like this movie. This movie is great. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely one that I would... Uh, I, I would want to revisit again. Um, it's it's a it's a giant monster movie that just has all the the intense emotional drama of bureaucracy in a time of uh, of national crisis, it, which is exactly what you want out of a giant monster movie, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow manages to make all that bureaucratic mumbo jumbo seem really uh, compelling and like cranks the stakes up on it, like up to eleven. It's insane it's, that this movie is mostly just people in boardrooms talking and you're riveted yeah. and to be fair it takes a few watches to actually fully grasp everything that's going on because it is so fast paced there's so much you miss right especially if J- uh, japanese is like for all of us not your first language right um and you're you're kind of stuck reading the subtitles if you um happen to have had a really long stressful day and you find your eyelids getting heavy uh surprise you just missed a bunch of exposition that you're never going to get back so there it is. Make sure you watch this one on coffee. I can relate to that. <laughs> that may have happened a couple times to me. Too. Uh, big same. Big but same. For me, subtitles, uh, because of some weird reading program I was in in elementary school, subtitles don't bother me because they don't actually read. My brain interprets the letters as images and it's fine and it translates in my brain somewhere. Because for some reason I was in some fast paced reading computer thing in third grade. Okay. Wild. Yeah. I, I was the first person in my uh, kindergarten class that learned how to read um, nice. to the extent that everyone in my kindergarten class was pointing at words like that. The teachers had hung up on bulletin board saying, what does that say? Um, I pretty much taught myself how to read at a very young age. And then nice. like all gifted kids stagnated as I got older. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that the par for the course, hooray, gifted child. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I, I pretty much put subtitles on everything because um, most filmmakers don't know how to mix audio anymore so if i want to hear if i want to hear what people are saying right i have to put subtitles on like i i saw i saw the new jordan peele film nope recently and i was like i'm gonna watch that movie again with subtitles because i missed half that dialogue boy howdy i had to turn on subtitles for that batman movie that came out recently yep oh gosh yeah what's everyone whispering (laughs) everyone's whispering and then you've got like the the riddler kind of talking behind the muffled mask like this and it just you're just like what the hell are you people saying i don't understand right <laughs> so yes yeah, subtitles uh we're, we're we're all big fans of subtitles here at uh disenfranchised um so so yeah uh put put subtitles on your damn movies people 
or, or learn how to mix audio, one or the other. Why not both? Um, but uh, before we get too, too far into the rest of this movie, uh, we do need to discuss the plot of Shin Godzilla uh, from 2016. And Sam, as our guest, you have graciously volunteered uh, to summarize the plot of this film in 60 seconds or less. Okay, so 60 seconds with this plot, it's really weirdly simple, but also complex. Either explain yeah. it in like a blurb or you go and explain the entire movie. So I, I chose a blurb. <laughs> okay. So what I wrote is... I'm- Hold on, hold on, because I gotta, I gotta, I gotta explain the, I gotta explain the the segment and then start the timer, and okay. then it's gonna be over before it begins. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, yeah. So for those who are just listening to our podcast for our Shin Godzilla episode, first of all, welcome. We're glad to have you. Second of all, this is the part of the show where we put 60 seconds on the clock. Normally, Brett or I, at the behest of our friend the Coin of Justice, will recount the plot in 60 seconds or less. However. Uh, when we have a guest like our friend Sam, uh, we do often uh, like to let them have a crack at it. So we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock and we're going to listen to Sam recount the entire plot of this film. I have 60 seconds on the clock. Uh, Sam, I'm going to I'm going to turn you loose here in just a second. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Your time starts now. Okay, so in this week's fast-paced scathing review of the bureaucratic process, a mysterious cryptid appears in Tokyo Bay. Now it's up to a plucky group of politicians and government officials to figure out what the F is going on and how to deal with it before more people are killed and the Americans step in. Which, spoiler alert, they do. And fail. So now the Japanese have to use a little bit of right-wing nationalism to overcome their uh, problem. (laughs) And that is tough. 22 seconds. It might be a record. I don't know for sure. Right. Um, now, I'll have to, to go to more detail. It's going to take like two hours to explain the actual plot. So just watch the movie. <laughs> that's, that's why we have the rest of this episode, I guess. We right. don't usually dig into the plot as a whole because it kind of distracts from other areas that we're discussing. But right. um, this movie really is dense. There's a lot happening in just these two hours. Like it's uh, pretty crazy what they're, what they're able to get away with in these two it's, hours. It's exhausting at some points. It, it really is. You have to pause and take a breath like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> what? I just read a whole bunch of words right now, and I maybe understood half of them. Uh, they have something called the NRA, but it's the Nuclear Regula- Regulatory Agency? Like, I don't – does not compute. you got to internalize that. Like, well, no, 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 that's not the same NRA. Okay. Whoa, whoa. They never – in fairness, they never refer to it as the NRA, but my brain shortened it to the NRA, and I'm like, fuck, that's weird. <laughs> I wonder what it is in actual Japanese. Yeah, probably something very different, I'm sure. Right. Because I don't think it's um, it NRA on my subtitles. This is the problem with subtitles. They're going to be different. <laughs> right. And that that's just depending on what version of the film you're watching, depending on where right. you're renting it from, or if you have that on, on Blu-ray or DVD, you're probably going to be getting different subtitles. So yeah. that that's more or less kind of what we're after here. Um, but like, like we said, there's a lot going on. Um, where do we want to start with this? Any, anyone? Ha- I'm going to defer to you guys. You guys are are the the guys who love the Japanese culture. You love the Godzilla. I'm going to kind of defer to you guys for this one. Uh, what? Where? Where do, where do you think we should start? Uh, I'm going to defer to the Godzilla expert on this one. Honestly, okay. <laughs> unlike the movie, we're kind of starting slow. The movie mm. starts like when it starts, it just starts. There's the title. It says Godzilla. A little bit of music. You hear the roar, and then the movie's just going. Yeah. There's no buildup. There's no intensity. It's just, it is going. You open up on right. a bunch on some uh, National Guards guys going through an abandoned yacht, a uh, ghost yacht that they found in the middle of Tokyo Bay. And from right. there, it escalates. 
And I, I'm, I was particularly impressed this watch through with the way that this film um, used various camera styles, uh, filming styles, and uh, different ways of kind of it, – it, it is very much a grounded view of a Godzilla movie. Uh, different eras of Godzilla, you've got kind of different interpretations of the character, uh, different focuses within the film. This one is very much based on the ground level of the people that are living through this travesty. Mm. Um, and at the beginning, it it feels very much like a found footage movie. Yeah. Um, like you get a lot of like digital camera or cell phone footage. Later in the movie, they do like this social media scrawl of like different people talking about Godzilla on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and then even later you get uh, lots of talking heads, lots of news media outlets kind of all discussing various aspects and elements of this tragedy. Um, so there's a lot going on here. And I was particularly impressed at the way that all of that felt very, not only organic, but very kinetic. Like it was very fast paced. It moved very quickly as does the rest of this movie that when you're able to finally kind of, when it slows down and allows you to breathe, like you kind of drink those moments in. And fortunately they're all shot beautifully, but then it picks right back up again and you're go, 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 go. Like this movie. Go ahead. It changes style of cinematography depending on what was going on in the scene. Like I said, and then it's a lot of, shaky intense camera when they're in the like the first 20 30 minutes where there's a lot of the bureaucracy happening when he mm-hmm. shows up in his fourth form that's when they cut to the really classic style wide angle tripod set yep. cameras and stuff you you've got like uh, when they're setting up the offices for the like the the Godzilla task force or whatever you've mm-hmm. got like the camera on the chair as they're like pushing all the, the all the roller roller chairs into place like there's some really fascinating camera tricks. Like when the American shows up, there's a lot of like Michael Bay quick cut stuff. Yeah. Um, like Perfect. it's, it's really, really fascinating. And again, stuff I did not pick up on my first watch of this movie. Yeah. Like the, the different ways that it does, the different ways that like you can tell the filmmakers are parroting and mimicking different styles of filmmaking to best tell the story they want to tell, which is really inventive and creative. And I like it. Yeah, it, it, I'm probably going to have to watch it a couple more times because I was definitely, being my first watch, I'm, I was a little overwhelmed. Yeah, it's a little overwhelmed. Understandable. Yeah, because there's stuff I picked up this time that I didn't even pick up before, only because I watched a couple of YouTube uh, uh, discussions about the thing. And there's some stuff I picked up I just never absolutely noticed because it's really hard to pick up. Mm-hmm. And depending on your subtitles, unfortunately the ones in this viewing, you actually miss some humor. There's a uh, thing where the uh, the main character, the lead guy, uh, mm-hmm. I guess like in my suppose they weren't doing that, but I've seen in the past where whenever they introduce a character, they had that character's uh, official political title. But oh, it, yeah, interesting. Stating who they are, but uh, the com- the thing is, you get the right subtitles every time he comes on the screen. He has a new title. That's hilarious. Because he goes up <laughs> to the ranks that fast. Every time he appears in a new scene, he's got a new title. It's and by the thing. end of the movie, they're talking about him as perhaps the next prime minister of Japan. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which is, again, kind of hilarious. My favorite is when at one point, like, someone comes and brings him news and he stands up and screams, don't go to pieces! And just, like, starts freaking out. And it takes him, like, a full minute of screaming to realize that he is not following his own advice. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I thought that was phenomenal. I was just, I was cackling at that. I loved that so much. Yeah. But again, a lot of this kind of humor can tend to get lost in translation, particularly when 
you're, I mean, and again, if, if all you're seeing are kind of these, you know, a bunch of very serious minded, serious looking people in boardrooms, you're thinking, oh, this is a very serious movie. There is, there is humor, there is levity here. And it's, um, it's, it's nice. It's actually really fun. Like this, this movie is hitting on a lot of cylinders and it, it's such a fun watch. It absolutely is. And even though it's fast paced, it stops for emotional beats. Mm-hmm. Like it will like, it's like start from the beginning to the first 25 minutes before uh, the second form of Godzilla disappears back into the ocean. It's super fast pace. And then they're mm-hmm. looking at the destruction and then the, it just stops and gives enough time to linger on the main character as he bows and prays for all the fallen and all the dead. I like that. And then next thing you know, he's back and he's rampaging through and he's got a new power set and then he freezes and then yeah. like goes dormant and you're like, okay, what the hell's happening here? And then again, you're, you kind of are allowed to breathe. They're formulating their plan. They're putting it into action. There is some fast paced stuff there, but again, you're allowing yourself to breathe. And I think any fast paced movie worth its salt is not all go, 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 go. I mean, that's pacing, right? If a movie is too fast-paced, you're not going to be able to keep up with it. If it's too slow, you're going to get fucking bored. And I think this movie hits the right balance. Like, even a movie like Mad Max Fury Road, a movie that, Sam, I know you and I both love. Brett, have you seen it yet? No. Okay. One of these days, we're going to get Brett to watch Mad Max Fury Road. Um, But you, Matt, uh, or uh, Sam, you and I both agree that it is a masterpiece. I was trying to say masterpiece. And place of your name um don't don't read into that that's weird um but you and i both agree that film is a damn it you and i both agree that film is a masterpiece um and it's another one of those i think everyone who's ever seen it agrees i don't think anyone like dislikes it i i would hate to meet that person like just just the contrary soul that hates that movie for some reason um but that movie again it's very much like this one it starts and it just books and it barely slows down but then you've got this scene in the middle where the whole thing just kind of slows way down and you get a chance to breathe with these characters live with these characters have emotional beats with these characters and then boom back in the cars go 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 and this movie does very much the same thing like when when Godzilla's on the screen it's go 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 move 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 and then when he's not or when he's dormant or something, it, it gives you time to think about the ramifications of what has just happened, which is what I mean when it says this movie has stakes. You watch a movie like uh, Man of Steel and there's a scene in Man of Steel where uh, Metropolis just gets decimated and you don't care because at no point does the movie slow down and allow you to feel all these lives that are being lost. Shin Godzilla forces you to face that um and i think it's really really effective mm-hmm. filmmaking to for, to my to my thinking yeah and it has a lot to do with the people that they brought in and the reason they brought those people in and why they even made the movie mm. which was a answer to the tsunami that happened right so the original uh, and maybe, maybe you should discuss this a little more the original godzilla of course response to the americans dropping the atomic bomb on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. This is the earthquake that triggers the response to the earthquake that triggered the tsunami that destroyed that like wiped out the power plant that created like an international incident. Mm-hmm. And in Godzilla, you kind of have all three of those things in, in yeah. one creature. Yeah. And it's what it was. So they weren't going to make another Godzilla movie, but then after the tsunami thing happened, uh, whoever was the, the smart person at Toho, whoever the person at Toho studios who had a heart, thought, hey, maybe we should make another Godzilla movie 
to deal with this. So they, so they went for uh, 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 the Neon Genesis Evangelion guy. They approached him to come in and make the movie. That's what he did. He wrote this as a response to the poor response from the Japanese government in dealing with that uh, earthquake. Because I think they're still dealing Which, with issues with it. It's still an ongoing problem. I mean, very probably. It's, they it, are, it, as far as I'm aware. Okay. The... And and you, with the amount of time this movie spends in the back halls of Japanese government, uh-huh. um, with the prime minister, with his cabinet, uh, and then after they're wiped out with the new prime minister who is ineffective as all hell, and kind of the the few ministries that are still around, um, like you get the impression that this is very much an indictment of the Japanese government. It also really critiques Japan's. Um, relationship with the United States and maybe comments on the current state of the Godzilla franchise at the same time? Uh, I don't know about that uh, because the Japanese really, really like the American Godzilla movies that legendary pictures are putting out. They're actually very popular over there. So I don't think they really cared about that, but a lot of it, uh, there is a growing resentment against how controlling and overbearing the American government is on Japan. So there is a lot of, I don't want to say anti-American, uh, uh, themes going on here, but it's more just pro-Japanese themes. I mean, yeah, this is kind of the Japanese version of the original Italian job, which we've covered on this podcast before, a very pro-British, pro-England film, uh, whereas this is very much pro-Japan, like the whole idea that Japan can do what it pleases and should do what it pleases, regardless of the influences of the United States or the United Nations, is a very potent theme particularly in the third act of this film mm-hmm. yeah, Which, something japan has always been good at is uh working through its trauma through film and tv uh i would say definitely better at that than than we are for oh sure. absolutely absolutely for sure. they are. um i i don't think we i don't think we've still processed 9-11 fully quite frankly uh no, and all of all of us all of us the whole movie about that yeah, America's too afraid to do that. We don't want to. Don't talk about it. We'll always remember it, but we're not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, uh, I mean, and and that's kind of the miracle of the original Godzilla is just I would say within a decade of that horror, that real life horror that we, the United States, inflicted upon their nation, uh, they're able to process that through by by creating a whole new genre of cinema. Uh, more or less, um, which is to say the the kaiju film, or rather perfecting. I would uh, King Kong technically created that, but I would say Japan perfected that with Godzilla for sure. I think there's actually earlier kaiju movies in King Kong. Uh, oh, really? Beasts from the Twenty Thousand Fathoms or something like that. I think it's earlier than King Kong. Okay, I stand corrected. Yeah. Um, but okay, I, I've but not seen that one, so I'll have to check the that Japanese one. did. I wouldn't say perfected, they made it into an actual genre mm. before it was just giant, giant monsters or whatever. But they actually took it and made it its own thing. It doesn't really have a set uh, amount of rules, but it is still separate. So, the best way I think, if you want to experience of what uh, the scope of a kaiju genre is, is watch the first season of the original Ultraman. Because every episode in that is so drastically different in its genre and tone. It shows the capacity, hmm. the extent of what you can do with the kaiju movie. And the Japanese ones actually made it into a, uh, like a genre that you can actually think about doing different things with. Besides giant monsters destroying everything. 
and and I think that is really manifested very well in the entirety of the Godzilla franchise because that franchise, like Rambo or Jaws, becomes very very different from the original film. Which is not to say that it becomes worse by any stretch of the imagination. It does. Like, <laughs> I mean, it it probably does in some places. I'm I'm I've I'm coming at this as someone who's seen maybe four Godzilla movies in his life. Um, And two of them are American. And two of them are the American ones. Um, So, yeah. Okay, technically five, because I've seen the three legendaries and then Shin Godzilla in the original. So five. Oh, and the, okay, six, uh, because the 90s Godzilla. Um, But yeah, four of those are American. Most of those are American. Um, So yeah. Um, But but all all that having been said, like, there's there's a lot of variants and there are a lot of different um, tones even within just the Godzilla franchise, and then it crosses over with other Toho monsters, becoming kind of maybe the second prominent cinematic shared universe after the Universal monsters, like mm-hmm. kind of one of those things that Japan was doing before there was really a name for it, and it used Godzilla and the various cast of characters from the rest of Toho to kind of spearhead that. I did not realize the capacity then until I watched through all the Toho movies uh, a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago. I didn't realize how extensive all those monsters were from different movies, like how extensive that actually was. Like I always knew Mothra was his own separate thing, but you know, like Rodan, there's like a snake monster. Just like, I think Ghidorah is one of the only original monsters of the Godzilla franchise. Like so many of those come from other places. And some of them appeared in like one movie of their own, and then they got kind of like scooped into the Godzilla. Like, hey, well, I don't know. We'll just have this monster fight Godzilla next. Who cares? Yeah, I think Angiris. No, crap. Uh, one of the monsters. It's like it's from like Frankenstein versus the world. Like, what is that? Yes. <laughs> but they use like the monster that Frankenstein fought, and, and it's a Godzilla monster. Yep. Which you know that folds in that franchise as well. So I mean, there's. Right. It's it's fucking wild. Like yeah. there, th- I I once mapped out that entire franchise, like everything that was even peripherally connected to that franchise, and it's it's like thirty five movies long or something ridiculous like that. It's it's a lot of movies, and that's probably yeah. a conservative estimate. Quite right, frankly. but it's not like the MCU where you need to watch them because they're not actually tied to each other. They're just using properties from the other monsters. Exactly. Like we just need a new monster design. We're too lazy to come up with a new one. Hey, remember that monster movie that we did that nobody liked? Let's just use that monster. Great. Sounds good. We just got this, this big rubber suit just sitting in storage. Might as well do something with it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Nobody's going to question it. No. Why, why would they? It's, it's only nerds like us that come along later and go, actually, all these movies are connected and fucking nerds. Um, (laughs) damn, damn wiener kids. Um, so yeah, that's that's effectively what we're dealing with here. Um, but I, again, like I I find that really kind of fascinating. And J- Japan is again on the front lines of that, and you you get those variances in tone throughout the, that entire franchise. Like there are some eras of Godzilla that are very serious, where he is an actual monster in and of his own right, and then there are others where he's like a protector. Somewhere he's kind of goofy. Uh, there's like a child Godzilla at one point. Is there not? Am I uh, making that up? Several. Several. Okay. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of those. There's a cartoon. You're probably remembering the cartoon. I Godzuki well, is. That, yeah, there's that. There's also, uh, uh, oh, Mila, Mil, Mil, Manila. Yeah, Manila. I think it's the same as the really terrible one from the psychotic. The most hated Godzilla movie from the original series also is one of the most like psychotic ones. One of the uh, little baby Godzilla that shoots the little circle. 
I think I know exactly which one you're talking. He's got kind of like the snapping turtle mouth. Yeah. So that one's psychotic because it all happens inside of this child's head. It's about him trying to kill his bullies. Okay. (laughs) That 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 sounds incredibly fucked up. Not existential there. I had no idea. (laughs) No. Yeah. It gets like, and no one. I don't think. I think only people are just now realizing how fucked up that one is because it's always the most hated one from that era and from the entire franchise because how bad it was. Because this kid, like, he's really badly bullied, so he like closes his mind and. his brain's transported to Monster Island to Godzilla's child, who shows him around the monsters and how to overcome his bullies, and then it ends with him kicking all his bullies' ass asses. I mean, honestly, so like, that kind of makes crazy. it. Is is uh, is the Neverending Story a remake of of that movie? Then, because that's kind of the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Kid yeah. uses his imagination to imagine people who teach him how to kick his bullies' asses, and yeah. Jack Black gets it in the end. Boy, howdy. That was the third one. Was it the third one the that third Jack Black was in? Yeah, it's the third one. Yeah, I I can't keep track, man. I've I've that's lived a life, man. <laughs> that's the only one I've seen. I that's the only one I haven't. I've seen the first two. I've not seen the third. You're not missing anything. I oh, I didn't think I was. Don't, <laughs> don't get it twisted. Like I'm. All I know is that the the, the original has perhaps what is one of the most disturbing uh, scenes that fucked up a whole generation of millennials. Uh, I should say elder millennials. Um, Cause uh, woof. And Sam, you're probably have, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. I know what you're if, talking about because I know movies, but I don't have to uh, see the movie to know the movie. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I pay All I know is as I see the memes, I know what's going on here. I can say one name and, and a whole generation of people will just kind of start crying into their Wheaties. And that one name is Artax. So sorry, millennials. Uh, Brett is now collapsed into a heap. He is weeping. His eyes are red with tears. Um, and is he is. Would they be millennials or Gen X? Uh, I mean, I'm it, elder millennials and young Gen X. I think it would qualify for both. Yeah. Um, Cause I was, I was born in 83. So I'm, I'm technically a millennial, but I have a lot uh, in common okay. with Gen X as well. Uh, so see, I think I'm an elder millennial, but it, it goes back further than that. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're just one of the garden variety millennials. Don't know what that means, but moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Shin Godzilla, fucking great movie. Um, uh, what we were talking about the the God the, the Godzilla franchise as a whole. So this movie, I think, ties more to the original Godzilla than to most of the sequels. Then is that is that accurate, Sam? You you or so, Brett? Either one of you. You guys have seen more of it than I have. This is the only Japanese Godzilla movie that does not have the original Godzilla as canon. This is the first independently independent live action Godzilla movie since the original. Wow, it so was a full full reboot, like a yeah. full reboot of the uh-huh. Yep, every other Godzilla movie ever made uh, has the first one as even the American Godzilla movies has the first one as is still existing. Which I mean, and 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 they've done. That's another franchise that's been rebooted several times. I think every era kind of begins. And again, correct me if I'm wrong here. Begins with its own reboot of the franchise, more or less. Like, oh, we're going back and doing a direct sequel to the original. With the thing that yeah. all American horror and slasher movies did in the uh, like the early twenty ten or the late twenty tens, um, Japan was doing like throughout the fifties and sixties. That's what. Uh, so in the fifties. Yeah, so Godzilla came out in the 50s, the 60s, and 70s is the, to- is the Showa era. My bad, Showa era. Um, and those were all direct sequels to each other. 
even though technically there's more than one Godzilla because Godzilla dies in like the first three movies and they keep coming back as different Godzillas. So canonically, there are multiple Godzillas. The Heisei era, which is the 80s Cold War era of the Godzilla and goes in the 90s, that started with Return of Godzilla. That was a reboot of the franchise serving as a sequel to the original Godzilla. Uh, The Millennium era, which started in the 2000, I think, every single movie in the Millennium era serves as a sequel to the first one. So they're not actually all connected to each other. Each one is just a new sequel. It's just as, Does that mean since since all of those are reboots, that means we could cover all of those on this podcast at some point? Yes, I guess. Sweet. I don't know if they. Brett, I think we're I, I think we're going to do a month of Godzilla movies at some point. Right, but they weren't uh, they weren't supposed to be reboots to start more franchises. The whole uh, idea for that era was to just do a, a reboot every single movie. Oh, okay. Never mind, Brett. Sorry. Yeah. No. Brett Brett had such a look of fear in his eyes when I said that. But then you get to watch the Ghost Godzilla one. Or the one where Mechagodzilla is the good guy, Kiru. Kiru, the cool Mechagodzilla. Okay, I I had no idea. Yeah, so the one era is where they start throwing robot parts on everything. There's like Mechagodorah. But yeah, Kiru, they actually... uh, Kiru is a telepathically controlled Mechagodzilla that they used the bones of the original Godzilla from 54 to build and it goes bad, but then they did make a sequel to it. And then which it is good, which is where they get most of the plot from Godzilla King of uh, Godzilla versus Kong from. Right. I was going to say that sounds a lot like Godzilla V Kong. Yeah. They, so. That's where they picked up the plot for us from that uh, Mecha Godzilla series from the millennium. Gotcha. Except instead of using the bones of the original Godzilla, they just used the bones of Ghidorah, um, Ghidorah instead. Yeah, which it worked and I liked it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was. I, I, yeah. I'll give it that. Like those legendary films are fun. Those movies are very fun. Would agree. Sam, of course, has some very strong opinions on those movies. <laughs> uh, weirdly enough, I hate King Kong, but King Kong or Kong Skull Island is my favorite of the legendary pictures. Wow. The, the yeah. takes, they're so hot coming out of you right Look, now. Here's the problem with the Godzilla movies is they're kind of boring. Like outside of Godzilla versus Kong, most of them are really boring. They don't have good characters and they're, they're it's like they uh, they looked at the old Godzilla movies where people are just standing around talking at a screen and thought, oh, that's what people like. It's like, no, we want you to, to give us some like character development. Also get actors. Why are there no good actors in this? Like Kong Skull Island is the only movie with recognizable actors. You got oh, Goodman, yeah. you got Riley, you got um, Samuel L. Jackson, like oh, you got a good uh, Shea Wiggum, Brie Larson. Yeah. Yeah. And then they did like, like they put all star power in one movie, forgetting that they should probably maybe disperse now. I want John Goodman to pop up in other stuff. I don't know. Maybe well, I mean, you got Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, AKA the Maximoff twins in the, in the Gareth Edwards one, which I, 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 we saw that one in theaters, as I recall Yeah, with, with our friend Caleb and your wife. Yeah. Um, and, your and, wife. uh, and, and yeah. And, and mine as well. And, um, I remember going, that was pretty good. Right. And you and Caleb were like, that sucked. And I was like, Oh, so boring. fuck me i guess the effects are good godzilla was cool i like the way they do the godzilla how he's a man in a suit but then he's it's mocap so mm-hmm. it's still, still technically a man in the suit but they use cg to make it more blend blend in better with the actual production i really like the way which is exactly it. what they do with this movie as well it is. it is they and uh they were supposed to for this one let's go let's talk about the effects of shin godzilla how disturbing how yeah. disturbing were those effects fucking disturbing yeah Pretty disturbing yeah how ugly was godzilla <laughs> 
Constantly, yeah. The even honestly, my the most disturbing one for me is right after he comes out of the water, yeah. and he's got the giant gills that he's like dragging on the ground, the little stub arms that he's kind of like waddling on, and then yeah. there's blood, like these wide, wild eyes, and blood just gushing out of these gill sacks as he crawls along the ground. Like, what the fuck? That is nightmare fuel, man. It was, and the eyes, the eyes, the eyes, like the un. <laughs> Blinking, wild, crazy. They're, they're so dead, but calculating. Yes, it's like you like. It looked like he was just birthed. Like it's like a monster. It's there. Like it will kill, but it's like calculating, trying to bring all its world in, like a baby shark. Yeah. Do 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 do. That's yeah. one of those great things that uh, the Japanese can do is they have this like aesthetic of the unhinged or like the wide-eyed, crazy character that is just like disturbing to look yeah. at. It's just, yeah. I remember seeing the Horror first. Horror Yeah, I remember the first scene. That, yeah, that does. I remember seeing the first trailer for this, like, back 15 and 14, when they started releasing clips from it. I thought, oh, this looks like shit. But then you watch it, it and you if you watch the trailer for it, it does look like shit. But if you watch it within the context of the movie, it's effing disturbing. And, and it was the, originally supposed to be a practical effect, but the practical effects up, uh, kept messing up, so they did the, the mocap. Which works very well. There's one scene where like the entire, all of its skin starts like vibrating. Yeah. And that makes what is already a disturbing image somehow even more disturbing Mm -hmm. because it's like this thing that already looks fucking unhinged and it just is like undulating all over the surface of itself. Like fucking wild. And one thing too is they actually broke two special effects rules in making him. Uh, they mm. didn't go with a realistic skin. They actually went for the purposely rubbery looking skin. So that Which, contributes a lot to the disturbing look of it. And helps it, honestly, helps it look a little more realistic and a little more tangible, if I'm being really honest. Yeah. Uh, the other rule they broke is that, if you'll notice, he moves very quickly on land. Most of the time, the rule for giant monsters, they have to move slowly to uh, make the, the sell the realistic effect of gravity and stuff. Give everyone fine. time to run. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fine, it's not even that. It's, it's actually a uh, optical illusion effect. And it is the reason that they do that, but they broke that rule. So us being people who have grown up with these movies and not even necessarily movies, but just all movies. Like we have grown up watching lots of movies and TV shows growing up. So that uh, rule is just in television and movies. So when uh, we're viewing it, this for the first time, our brains are unconsciously being disturbed because it's breaking a rule that we don't consciously think about. And that's the fact that he's mm. moving against gravity very quickly unrealistically so our it's kind of creating a uh, what's the effect where you recognize something that's uncanny valley uncanny valley yeah yeah which i again i think works to really masterful effect here like yeah it this movie i mean and and mm, this movie looks great but godzilla in this movie also looks great and very similar to in his final form very similar to but yet also very different from the classic Godzilla that we all recognize. Like you can look at the thing and say that is clearly Godzilla. And yet he's got the glowing underneath the red and then the purple glowing underneath. The tail is like five times larger than Godzilla's tail has ever been. Right. Um, and he's got like a completely different tail. power set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he no, is. His power set is so badass. It is. It's fucking phenomenal. I love when he, it. When he shot the, that was I, my jaw dropped. I had to pause to comprehend when he destroyed the city with the purple laser shit out of his back. When mm-hmm. that happened, the first time I saw that, I had to stop. Like, what the fuck? 
when he opens his mouth, his bottom jaw separates from itself, like splits yeah. down the middle, almost Demogorgon style. And then it starts as fire and then becomes this like focused purple energy. Mm-hmm. And then it starts coming out of his fucking back and like blowing planes and helicopters and shit out of the sky. And then it goes, it moves back even further and starts coming out of the tip of his tail. Yeah, like shooting through the building, like the way they did it, like it was like a blacked out buildings, how the laser shooting through the buildings, blowing them all up, creating this massive fiery destruction in real time. I'm like, this is insane. And I mean, it, it, it is every bit as disturbing as the original Godzilla. Like when you see the destruction that Godzilla hath wrought, it has very much that kind of way. And the film takes its time. Like it, it slows down in those moments, gives you this really incredible shot of the decimated Tokyo skyline against this like bright orange sky. And it's absolutely breathtaking, but also absolutely heart wrenching all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, after this destruction that, Honestly, it looks pretty fucking cool. But again, the filmmakers make you feel the weight of the lives that were lost in that destruction. You which again, feel upset when the prime minister dies. Yeah, because first of all, I want to talk about the prime minister for a second because the prime minister is played by a man. Brett, you know exactly where I'm going with this. Maybe you don't. Maybe. You were smiling like you did, but now you're looking at me like you don't. Oh yeah, no, maybe I don't know. The prime minister is played by a man named. Uh, Ren Osugi, uh, Ren Osugi, uh, we have actually discussed on this mini series before, um, back on the very first week of this month when our good friend Mandy Gossage was here talking about Uzumaki, uh, and he is the father of our main character's boyfriend in Uzumaki. He is the one who is, uh, first afflicted in the town by the spiral curse. Okay. And I thought, I, I thought he looked familiar. That and that, and that is why he looked familiar. Another thing that he has been in, uh, in fact, the previous year, the year before he was in Uzumaki, he was in a little movie called audition, which was directed by Takashi Miike, who directed Ace Attorney. Bringing it all together. Well, he is, always- he is our linchpin. For this uh, miniseries. I, I wish I was better with memorizing Japanese names because I recognize like half the... There's like also like 358 actors in this movie. I recognize a lot of these people because I've seen them in movies. I watch a lot of Yakuza in Japanese movies. And a lot... They're all known names over there. There is on Wikipedia, because that is where we get our information. There is on Wikipedia, a under the cast list, a list of all the cameos in this movie. And it is extensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all the various people who are well-known like household names in Japan who just show up to do like a line or two in this movie. Well, you can um, a lot of homage to previous creators. I think the director of the first Japanese movie is the, they use his pictures to stand in for that scientist that's missing. Mm, mm-hmm. Uh, Goro Maki, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think was I his name, but I, I mean, the director of the special effects guy, I can't remember, but they use a lot. They pay a lot of homage or like some of the monster costumes. I think they show up to a lot of people who do the costumes of the past. Yeah, there are actors. There are actors from previous uh, Godzilla films that also have cameos or or roles in this film. Also, like there's there's a lot going on. Like and again, if you're deeply immersed in in these films, you're going to or in Japanese cinema as a whole, you're going to recognize those people. I unfortunately am not. So all of those cameos were completely lost on me. Um, But uh, I, I like knowing that they're there, even if I don't recognize them. It, oh, it, it warms my heart knowing they're there. I made a mistake. There's only 328 credited actors. Oh, is that? A, okay. Yeah, well, how dare you, sir? 
I apologize. I overestimated that by like 20. 20 you misoverestimated the number of actors in this movie. I'm sorry. I'm known for exaggerating. The, what? You? Hyperbole? Never. Um, I, and, and I mean, the cast is phenomenal. Like, I... Who who is your favorite character in the in this movie, and why was it the girl who never makes eye contact with anybody? I, I think you're right. Actually, now that you yeah. say that, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> who else can it be? I didn't even think about this being a question because I don't. I love all the characters. This movie mm-hmm. does a really good job of making everyone. No one is portrayed as the bad guy. I like that. There's, mm-hmm. not, there's not an antagonist. Everyone's just trying to do their best, and some of them do better than others. So I don't really think about who my favorite character, but you know, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I, there's just this, this awkward, awkward um, analyst who's constantly at her computer and never really makes eye contact. She, I think she maybe five times total in the entire film actually looks at another character, but half the time she's just staring down at her computer or just looking down at one point. She looks directly into the camera, but that's only because the camera is the POV of the computer monitor. <laughs> that's the only time she looks dead into the camera. <laughs> What is she? She is a uh, she's a zoologist. Um, I'm not sure what her title is. Let me let me see she's if a, I can find her on the she cast was, list. She's uh, an environmental something because she's his uh, she's what's his face's friend or someone someone new from college. I don't know. It gets okay. complicated. The relationship and the titles, the amount of titles, everyone is just someone. Oh, and here's the, the thing: with the exception of maybe two people, everybody in this movie has a title. Um, like even in the even in the cast list on IMDb, everybody has a title, mm-hmm. uh, which is wild to me. No fun fact: something I never caught, and I had to watch. I had to have someone tell me about this fun fact. In the very first meeting with the prime minister, there's actually one of the cabinet members is missing, and it's the agriculture guy who becomes the prime minister. <laughs> the guy, <laughs> the guy. <laughs> Who is so upset after his meeting where he's like trying to like get debriefed on the current status of the Japanese government is so pissed off that his noodles got soggy. And that's the thing that he's like, I knew this job was going to be hard, but so help me. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. the uh, Yeah, he's the because the and that's a huge critique on them, too. The way that's a critique right. of American uh, way government set up too on the past is the like the mm. succession, the order succession. Because the prime minister dies, and I think a couple of the other prime uh, cabinet, uh, most of the cabinet members, I think were killed. The, they all yeah, helicopter. the entire cabinet is on that helicopter. Yeah, yeah. so the, so like the the guy in charge of agricultural affairs who wasn't even at any of these meetings is now suddenly the prime, in charge of the country, and and he is portrayed as perhaps the most inept human being ever, and yeah. is really susceptible to literally whoever he's talking to at that moment. Like if it's if it's the people from the UN, he's like, you're right. That this is absolutely what we should do. Let's do this. And then when it's the people from the Godzilla task force, he's like, but the UN, and they're like, ah, ah, ah. And he goes, you're right. You have a point. Let's do that instead. <laughs> like you just very wishy washy, very just kind of carried along on the whims of whatever's going on. Like what a fun character, but also what an idiot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and again, that's, you know, just some of the examples of, of humor in this movie. And, and again, you, if you understand Japanese government better than I do, then these jokes are probably landing a lot better for you than they are for me. Um, it's, but I it's mean, still great. Can, I love you can it. Definitely compared to American government too. So a lot of the bureaucracy and foolishness like that. Uh, I remember in school, there was a famous picture they would show that when George W. Bush was sworn in, if you look at the picture of him being actually sworn into presidency, the mm-hmm. entire like if there was just one person with a bomb at that moment they would have wiped out like the top 10 people's concession to the presidency mm-hmm. 
And uh, so it's right. the same kind of situation. There's a lot of uh, you can look, you can compare a lot of this to American government. There's a um, bureaucracy that we deal with here. There was there was a moment early in this film, I would say even within the first half hour of this film, where you're watching this kind of inept government struggle to contain what could potentially become a global threat. And that hits very different in 2022 than it did in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I will just tell you, um, after you know two years of watching an inept government try to deal with something that became a, uh, a, a global issue... Um, fuck this movie it's different now <laughs> it yeah. does um and it it's 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 damning quite frankly like it's it's got some shit to say and i think that's part of the reason why this movie is so effective and why it i think still gets recognized as one of the better godzilla films is it's still saying shit that's still relevant to us right now where we are um, and those are always the movies that, that last long. I think, you know, some films in this franchise may be kind of fluff, may just be made for, you know, the, the quick franchise cash in the quick buck, but the ones that last, the ones that we remember are the ones that actually have something to say beyond just, Hey, aren't monsters fun? And isn't it cool when they fight each other? Um, and that's a big part of the reason why I love this movie. And I think why it has such a lasting appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. The amount of red tape that they go through, like, man, there's one scene. I never caught this scene, but they're talking about deploying the troops mm-hmm. and they're only allowed to deploy the troops in certain position in specific yep. situations. And they don't have a contingency plan for giant monsters. It's like, well, we can't deploy the troops. We can't help anyone. It's like, <laughs> and they literally like have to go in and like find some like minute statute that they can twist the the meaning of so they can have an excuse to do what they need to do to try to stop this damn thing <laughs> yeah uh, i wonder if that has a lot to do with american oversight too i'm not terribly sure how independent they are from american oversight at this point in regards to military action but i wonder if maybe a lot of that has to do with that too that's not something i don't know I, about and i mean that's a discussion point from right when they start bringing in the military as as a talking point it's you know well are we going to take the lead on this is america going to take the lead on this like what what are we going to do here like that from the moment we're like let's call they're like let's call in the military they're like ah 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 but what about america and um you can tell there's kind of like some the filmmakers are definitely like yeah fuck america what what the hell right um so i don't know i just i just found the notion that the two governments that are able to bring down Godzilla are the Americans and the Japanese, the two people who really have a vested stake and a vested interest in Godzilla as a franchise. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it felt like maybe they were trying to say something about the current state of the Godzilla franchise. I'm not sure what that is that they're trying to say, but it just feels like there was something baked into that somewhere. Maybe. I'm not I could be wrong. Sure. I think I'm willing to be wrong. Yeah. Really? I'm not real sure about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really not sure. But I will say the only other country that Godzilla is huge in outside of America and Japan is Germany. Just a country not out. brought up in this movie. Yep, just throwing that out there. There Maybe you go. Maybe we should include more Germans in our next Godzilla movies. I don't know. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's Absolutely. Why were there so many French people in 1998's Godzilla? <laughs> Honestly, France comes up in this movie too. France, the, the, the French are the ones that, you know, end up letting giving them the excuse to stall the UN action so that they can carry out their plan that actually works. Why? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, apparently Godzilla and France, they go together like Godzilla and Godzuki, I guess. Well, I, don't I, know. Want, I want a French made Godzilla movie. 
I would love that. I would I love want, that so much. I want a French New Wave Godzilla movie. I was I was about to say Francois Truffaut's Godzilla. That's what I want. What if Francois Truffaut directed Godzilla? That's what I at the end Godzilla turns around and looks at the camera and there's a freeze frame and it zooms in on his face. I love it. Let's let's just do that. Yeah, just keep, um, keep Jean Luc Godard out of it. Don't need yeah, absolutely. Keep Godard out of it. You can you can bring you can bring in some Renoir if you if you need to. I would right. actually resurrect Agnes Varda and have her just do everything. Oh hell yeah, Ag- <laughs> Agnes Varda's Godzilla. That would be fuck yes. Uh, fuck I, yes. Would you do that franchise? No one would ever have the balls to do. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that so much. <laughs> Our listeners out there who don't know a thing about what they're talking about right now, you said French maid, and I thought Godzilla in a French maid costume. <laughs> well, we're not on that part of the internet. <laughs> Keep your Japanese enthusiasm somewhere else there, bud. <laughs> check. check. Godzilla themed maid cafe. I'm right there with it. Um, I think Brett just found his next Halloween costume. Um, Maybe. Maybe. Godzilla in a French maid costume. Yep. I, I dig it. Um, would pay to see. Um, so this movie actually was, uh, there was a sequel in mind for this movie. Um, the filmmaker, um, Hidake Ano um, wrote basically while this movie was in production, kind of wrote up an idea for a sequel that was a response to what he thought people wouldn't like about this movie, which is to say that it wasn't kind of like a mass kaiju showdown. Uh, And so that's more or less what his sequel was meant to be. He wrote he wrote up a a proposal. He, you know, did kind of a a few pages uh, and then. Uh, some sketches as well, basically handed them to his co-director, said, I want you to direct the sequel. Here it is. And basically they needed to release it in two years and there just wasn't enough time. So the thing was basically shelved, put aside um, because of Toho's um, contract with Legendary. They could only release a Godzilla film the same year as one of the Legendary films. Is that I think is what I read. It's something weird. I honestly don't know much about the sequel because I am absolutely fine with this not having a sequel. I, I mean, like on a note same. that I'm happy with. Which I do want to go back and talk about the ending here in a second because the yeah. ending of this movie is maybe the most terrifying part of this movie. Yeah. Um, that last shot fucking chills. Um, uh, so there was something in the contract basically meant that since they missed 2018, they couldn't make another one until 2020. And then in March of 2018, Toho basically announces um, we're going to scrap all plans for a Shin Godzilla sequel and we're going to do a Godzilla shared universe because that's really big in America. And so far, nothing has come of that yet. Um, So that was. Yeah. So that was kind of the plan as of 2018. Uh, Something tells me something happened a couple years ago that maybe threw a whole wrench in that. I'm not sure what that could have been. Um, hmm. Me neither. Hmm. That's weird. Hmm. But um, yeah, so ultimately, obviously, this the sequel to this movie didn't happen. Um, I the implications of that final shot are I set, set the stage set the stage perfectly for a sequel, but at the same time, like it's such a chilling moment to end on that you don't you don't need that can be the end of an entire franchise. Like it's so fucking scary yeah. to me. Um, Sam, describe to us what we see at the end of Shin Godzilla from 2016. Uh, well, again, I didn't get to finish the movie this time around. 
Uh, but, again, it's but, not like you haven't it, seen this it movie before. My head, though, but it pans up his tail, and at the tip of his tail, there are people coming out of his tail. There are with these, Godzilla spikes on their backs. Yeah, these skeletal Godzilla people starting to mutate out of his tail. So the the whole notion of Godzilla in this movie is that he continually evolves to fit the terrain on which he is trotting, and so his quote unquote final form would be these kind of humanoid Godzillas that are actually the size of people, um, which again is absolutely terrifying to me. Like just the look of those things and then the implication of what those things would have, could have done um, is a scary. Hmm. And I don't think that's why I think I'm okay with the sequel, because if they did a sequel and they continued on that path and that was the next step of the evolution, which I did not, I've not actually looked at the sketchbook, uh, but I, to me, I don't like the idea of it going away from a kaiju movie to a bunch of skeletal people running around killing people. But now, if, if I, it's both of those things together, which I, I do kind of dig actually that. actually supposed to be, because when I read something like five minutes before we started here, is that there was actually supposed to be another Godzilla that mutates out of that. Mm. And eventually it's supposed to evolve into the point where it consumes the entire planet as some sort of planetary creature. So I don't think it was supposed to be just his next stage is like human-sized monsters, but it's supposed to be different shit is now spawning off of them. Which, again, I like that idea. And it it is very much in fitting with the kind of kaiju showdown that Anno describes, which, Mm -hmm. again, I'm totally okay with. I think that works really well. Yeah. And I just only learned a few minutes ago that Hideko Anno Anno, is also the guy who wrote The Wind Rises. It's a great movie. There you go. Uh, A movie I've not seen, but I've heard wonderful things about. It's a good movie. Brett, you were saying. No, oh, oh, um, go ahead, Sam. What were you going to say? One final note. It's got Werner Herzog in it. I mean, hell yeah. Um, I would like to see the Werner Herzog. Um, and a good yeah. movie. I mean, how do you go wrong? <laughs> Brett. I was just going to say the ending is really great in the most bonkers way. It's like, like this, because you see it and you're like, that's weird and strange <laughs> and like, you almost roll your eyes, but you're like, no, this works. Mm-hmm. And it it's terrifying. It I, I remember the first time I saw this, I did not understand what I was looking at. And I had to have Sam and Caleb explain it to me on the recording of Rule of Third. So if you listen back to that episode, you will hear me at my absolute dumbest, ladies and gentlemen. I had to pause it and stare at the screen for several minutes before I understood. Because the scene played and the credits started rolling. And I'm like, what did I just look at? Right. So then I rewind it and look at it. it like... It took me like five minutes to fully process what was I was looking at. Like, oh crap! <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did. They went there. There's a human skeleton with Godzilla spikes coming out of its back. Like, it's yeah. fucking bonkers. And again, as Brett said, in the best way. Like, it it works so well. It is so like chilling. It 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 mm, perfect. And, Chef's kiss. Love it. And I, and I guess I'm just so used to disturbing. Uh, Japanese horror, body horror stuff that I, I knew what it was as soon as I saw it. There you go. <laughs> uh, whereas again, I, I don't have much context for that. So, um, but it, it fucking works. And I, I would love to see that sequel, but like Sam, I'm kind of okay with this one, not getting a sequel, not getting the franchise treatment that they were shooting for. Um, there is a part of me that's bummed, but then again, this movie is kind of such a, a great object in and of itself, kind of unto itself that, I'm okay with it. Well, if you want more of the same quality content, apparently they're making Shin Ultraman, 
I didn't find out about that until two weeks ago. What the hell? It, I was going to say, released. Didn't, didn't that just come out in Japan? Like not yeah. like earlier this month? I found out on Twitter because Hideo Kojima was like, I'm going to go see Shin Ultraman. I'm like, what? And it's, yeah, everyone just, they just, which is funny because that's how Ultraman became a thing too. It was all the people who made Godzilla were sitting in the, in the warehouse full of unused costumes. And some mm-hmm. company came forward and says, hey, we're, we need a uh, kaiju show. Here's some money. And they're like, okay, well, let's figure out what we're going to do with these costumes. Uh, and and that Brett, do you know do you know who the main human uh, who plays the main human character in Shin Ultraman? I do not. It is Takumi Saito, who we also know from. He plays Ideka in this movie, but he is also I I want to say. Let me scroll down here and make sure that I'm accurate in this assessment here. Um, he also. I believe, yes, uh, plays uh, Mitsurugi uh, Edgeworth, Miles Edgeworth in uh, Ace Attorney. Oh, cool. So there's there's another there's another little linchpin for us. So I'm also doing Shin Common Writer, but I don't know anything about Common Writer. Oh, me neither. That's that 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 would be a cool subject for a Rule of Thirds episode, like the three the three Shin reboots. Yeah. Interesting. Too bad that show doesn't doesn't run anymore. <laughs> Which one? Rule of oh, Thirds. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Rule of Thirds. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. As, as you said at the beginning of the episode, five years since we released an episode, maybe? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there it is. Um, what, what else do we have to say about Shin Godzilla, gentlemen? Uh, fun fact, the B-2 uh, stealth bombers are part of the 509th, which is the same... Uh, people who dropped the bomb on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. That's I mean, not uh, a fun fact. No, that, that might be the antithesis of a fun fact. That's I mean, a, it, it was, it was probably done intentionally. It feels so, like it should have been if it wasn't. Yeah. yeah it's, well, so, I'm not as disturbed. And maybe there's some catharsis in the fact that Godzilla blows those out of the sky with his back beams. There so. you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the 509th fun fact, actual fun fact is the only, uh, branch, whatever you call that, uh, that has B2 bombers, stealth bombers. So that was actually accurate. There you go. And that's how you knew they came from the 509th. Yep. So there you go. Um, yeah, so this movie, of, of all the movies that we have covered uh, this month on this on this podcast, uh, this is the only one that actually got an American release. So we actually have domestic box office numbers for it. Uh, this one released in America on uh, July 29th of 2016. I'm currently looking at the daily chart. I'm going to pull up the the week the weekend chart yeah, I'm uh, glad for you this have, one. I hope you have some information because I kept seeing a lot that this is the highest grossing Godzilla movie of all time. And it had apparently made more money than all the American legendary pictures combined. But I don't I couldn't find numbers that supported that. Uh, definitely not on the numbers, uh, the site that we or the, the site that we usually use. Okay. Uh, so this movie makes less than two million. It's it's one point nine million domestic. So in the United States, it makes less than two million okay. internationally, according to the numbers, again, seventy three point seven million for a grand total of seventy five point six million total. I feel like um, it made something like oh, I read somewhere it made like five hundred million. Uh, let me actually check. Um, I was going to say 6.1, according to Wikipedia, 6.1 million on its opening weekend. And then maybe that was in the end. I was looking at it. 
Uh, I mean, 625 million yen opening weekend. Uh, so there's sense. that. Uh, yeah. So uh, it reached 5.3 billion uh, yen, which is uh, 51.63 million okay. uh, at the box office after its release. So, so again, and, and maybe that's part of the reason why this didn't get the sequel either, because compared to a lot of, I mean, probably did a, a, a modest, a modest bit of business, but compared to, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, franchise movies that you're expecting, um, doesn't, doesn't quite have the legs that, that you would want. Um, the box office from, uh, this weekend, July 29th in America. Uh, and again, this is the, um, this is, this is, these are the American films that are releasing this weekend. Uh, Shin Godzilla does not even crack the top 114. Um, as, as you might imagine, um, number one, it's a new release from universal, a little movie called Jason Bourne. Hmm. Um, which earns $80.7 million in its opening weekend. In second place is Bad Moms. What if moms were bad? Uh, $36.8 million in its opening weekend. Uh, in its second weekend, Star Trek Beyond drops to third place uh, for a grand total of $117.7 million so far. Down from number two to number four is The Secret Life of Pets. Uh, what if the pets had secret lives? Uh, and then finally, down one spot from number four, Ice Age colon Collision Course, which is maybe the like third or fourth. I, I don't keep track of the Ice Age movies. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, that one has earned in, in its two weekends uh, $49.2 million. Uh, rounding out our top 10, you've got Lights Out, Nerve, uh, a movie we've covered on this podcast before, Ghostbusters. Uh, Finding Dory and in uh, 10th place, a documentary I'm guessing called Hillary's America, the secret history of the Democratic Party. Um, <laughs> gosh, that's um, that's that's something else, isn't it? Yeah. Enough people saw that for it to crack the top 10. It sure did. That's a that's a, a Dinesh D'Souza movie. So that tells you everything you need to know right there. Um but yeah, so this movie, again, does not quite do the business uh, that it wants to or needs to, to to get that sequel treatment. However, critically, this movie does very well. The Tomatometer score on this one is an 86% certified fresh. The critics' consensus, Shin Godzilla, or as it is called in some markets, Godzilla Resurgence, offers a refreshingly lo-fi and altogether entertaining return to the monster's classic creature feature roots. Uh, the meta score is a 67 based on generally favorable reviews from 14 critics. And the letterboxed score is a 3.8. Sam, as our guest, if you had to rank Shin Godzilla out of five stars, how many stars would you give it? Oh, for me, it's easy five. Okay. That's I movie. had a feeling. I had a feeling that was where you were going, but I just, I had to ask. Just throw it out there. Brett, what about you? Uh, four and a half. Uh, that's what I give it as well. Uh, it's, it's, this movie's so good. Like it's, it's phenomenal. This movie's so much fun. Um, and if you have not watched it, it is available to rent on the Amazon prime. Uh, you could probably also find it on Blu-ray somewhere as well. Um, it's, it's good. Like definitely seek this movie out. It's so much fun. It's, it's again, give it a few watches before you really make up your mind about it. Cause there's a lot going on here and it's, it's good. It's very, very good. Uh, so yeah, that is our episode about, uh, 2016's Shin Godzilla. Um, 
there's honestly a part of me that kind of hopes it does get a sequel so we can cover it on this podcast, but I don't think it will. Uh, no, nah, it won't. Unfortunately. It's a bummer. You never know. Maybe, maybe I mean, Shin Ultraman and Shin Kamen Rider will do so well that they'll just go back to him and do Shin Godzilla too. Or maybe we'll just get a Shin Godzilla reboot. Shin Godzilla all over again. Ooh. <laughs> maybe not that. <laughs> maybe we don't. Maybe we don't put that out there, Stephen. No. Um, but Sam, tell us, uh, tell us what you got going on, um, what what you're up to, where we can find you on social media if you desire us to find you there. Uh, what's up, man? Uh, you can find me on social media. I am your Paul Bear on Instagram. Uh, I am on TikTok, but I don't make TikTok videos, so there's no point in following me there. I watch TikTok <laughs> videos, so make TikTok videos for me to watch. I do love TikTok, and I have a Twitter account that I sometimes use, but I can't remember what I'm called on there. <laughs> I will. I'll tag you on Twitter so so our audience can find out that way. I'll also put it in the show notes once I get it. So. I've made like three posts in the last like week and a half, so I, I'm, I'm getting Which there. Is- Good for you, honestly. Right. Like there are months at a time where you just won't show up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the writers from the new Resident Evil show liked one of my tweets. So, you know, got that going. Hey, is is that any good? I love oh. it. I'm like one of like, no, I will fight you. I will fight you right here. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. See, Sam, you have very strong opinions about things. Brett has very strong opinions about Resident Evil. Uh, same. I've been playing the games for like 25 years. So have I. As has okay. Brett. Yeah. Well, look, I'm going to be honest with you. It's mid. Like, it's six to eight out of ten, honestly. But there's so much hate for it, I have to go to the extreme just to balance it out. Uh, which which is 100% your vein. That is, you're like, everyone hates this? Fuck you, ten, 10 out of ten. Like, that's... That's what that's what I'm doing. I'm Sam. Fuck you. Well, I, I, I'm gathering like a little like rebellion, like a resistance. There are others of us out there that like it. So there are dozens of us. Dozens, at least. Um, I've not seen it. I have no context for Resident Evil. It would be lost on me. At some uh, point, we're going to cover Welcome to Raccoon City on this podcast. It's much to like, chagrin. Oh, you like that one? Okay. I'm the weird one that liked that one. Well, at least you're not one of those weirdos. There's a lot of people like Resident Evil Apocalypse, and that doesn't make sense to me. Like, there are a lot of people saying, well, I like the second one. That was the best one of the Miljokovic. I'm like, no, that wasn't. That's a bad movie just by itself. I was going to say, Brett doesn't care for most of that franchise, if not all of that franchise. I I don't know what you're talking about. I would never have that opinion. The first one's decent. But the second one's just a bad movie. And, like, there are people out there that are like, oh, wait, do you like the second one? No, no. That's bad. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> Brett's doing a really weird thing with his face right now. <laughs> no, I like the second one. No, I'm okay. sorry. I, I do like the second one. But it's not even a good movie by itself. Outside of the franchise, it's still just not a good movie. It's not well made. For, Nemesis well, is no, cool. Look, Nemesis is cool. That's fine. I agree with you. Nemesis I, is I just, Everything else I just is like thing. it. Here's the thing. It's okay to like a movie doesn't have to be good. You can still yeah. like it. Yeah, or but, you can dislike but, it. Just don't I, be a dick about it. But haven't you watched? You've watched them, right? Right? You've seen them, yeah. Stephen. Unfortunately, yeah. But Stephen, you've seen them. Fuck All. no. What's, Why? I've not seen any of them. Why would I watch your, those? Because they're you're, you're, you're Paul W. S. Anderson thing you're doing we're gonna watch all his movies i i thought about that and brett was the one that talked me out of it he's like look just because they're there doesn't mean you have to watch them all and i was like you're right brett that's a good point watch the first three at least 
I, I will probably watch it at some point. I just, I'm not in any hurry. I thought the third one was the worst one. That's my opinion there. You thought it was worse than the fifth one, which had absolutely no plot? They were just there. Well, okay. You're not wrong. They <laughs> and get the progressively one. worse. <laughs> they get progressively and that worse. that low. Yeah. Well, they progressively get less be a movie. Like, the fourth one is a music video. Uh, we we're going to have to have Sam on to talk about Welcome to Raccoon City, because I'm thinking that might be what needs to happen. <laughs> I've not Maybe. seen that one, but... Uh, I, I do need to check it out because, man, there's a lot of hate going on and I'm involved in a lot of arguments. I'm probably going to get doxxed. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I hope we're not doxing you right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I might for saying I liked it. it you know, look, it also it's also not good. But, like, as a fan of the franchise, right. I like seeing the game, stuff on the, the games, street. The games are fun, but the acting and, like, the, the games are the terrible. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so it's also, it's also, Which the makes games this... are also movie garbage. So, right. Like, Which makes no sense why a lot of criticism of the show is it's bad acting, bad writing. And he's like, I've been playing these games for 30 years. So I'm like, so you should be, you like the, that should be like nostalgic for you, the bad acting, the bad writing. That should be something you like. Yeah. <laughs> media literacy is a thing. Right. Uh, is it though? In this society? No, not in this economy. No. Brett, in this economy? And look, the Resident Evil fandom is just as bad as the Star Wars and the. Oh, fandom. it is. It's, I did uh, not realize how racist and sexist they were until. Oh, like, Jesus last Christ. Oh, my, it's what the All fandoms oh. are toxic, everybody. This is what we've been saying since the beginning. I'm not racist, mm. but uh, yeah, you are. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but just saying that kind of means you are. <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh, man, it's weird. Um, whew. that was a fun sidebar. We're absolutely Woo! shouting that out in the show notes. That's great stuff right there. Um, this, so make sure you follow Sam on all of those platforms and, and any other ones that I happen to remember between now and when this episode posts in a couple days. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you can find us on uh, all your social medias, Instagram, Letterboxd and Twitter and Facebook at disenfranch pod you can shoot us an email disenfranchpod at gmail.com let us know how you're doing let us know if there's any movies uh, failed franchise starters that you want to see us cover and uh, we'll try to get right on that absolutely um you can also while you're on the internet uh swing on over to apple Podcasts or spotify give us a nice juicy five star rating and review uh, that means a lot to us and helps us go a long way to finding more listeners like yourselves and we like you so other people like you would probably be pretty cool also um, and, and while you're doing that, if you want to support us in another way, you can swing on by our Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranch pod uh, to see all the shows that we have going on behind the scenes, including um, the sneak peek that you caught last week, more episodes of Unenfranchised, the show that we uh, released last week in lieu of a new episode because life found a way, everybody. Um, but you can find all that behind the paywall there, patreon.com slash disenfranch pod. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy. You can find me on Instagram, Letterboxd, and Twitter at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you, sir? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at sus underscore warlock. Fantastic. And that is not only the end of our Shin Godzilla episode, it is the end of Big in Japan month. Um, again, we've got enough that we could do this again and maybe... Maybe we will do this again sometime. Uh, if you want that, let us know. Disenfranchpod at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials. We would, we'd love to hear what you think about this miniseries. And uh, if you want more uh, Japanese content uh, from us. Um, but until next time where we will not, Brett, not be starting a new theme month. No. I, I, you have my solemn oath. Four in a row is enough, damn it. 
Um, we're going to wait at least till October before we try that shit again. Um, but joining next, join us next week where we will not be starting a theme month. Uh, this is our 98th episode, Brett, which means we're two episodes away from 100, uh, which is kind of fucking incredible when you think yeah. about it, that we've been I doing mean, this for almost two full years now. Yeah. And then a couple episodes are finally going to tackle the big one. The big one. And again, if you're paying very close attention, you already know what that's going to be. Uh, and if you if you haven't been, well, then buckle up, Buttercup, because <laughs> it's going to happen all over your face. Um, whoa, but in- whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> What is Wait, hold on. What? In the immortal words of Michael Jackson, why you got to make it dirty, Brett? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. All over your ears. How's that? Is that better? Well, I always have my <laughs> AirPods on my uh, face while I listen to your podcasts. So I, well, there you go. All over right, Sam's face. Right into the ears. Yeah. So until next time when we tackle episode number 99, I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, for my co-host, Brett Wright, and our very special guest, Samuel Dumas. Until next time, this isn't even my final form! Sayonara, everybody. Goodbye.